Hey everyone, this is Joe. Today we have calls from, in alphabetical order, from Daniel, from the Bandit's Keep, from Evil Jeff, from Minions and Musings, and from Jason, from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. All three of the callers are excellent podcasters. I have links to their podcasts in my show notes. Let's get started. Mail call from the United States of America. Hi, you have reached the Decahedron RPG cast feedback line. Just start talking at the sound of the tone. Joe. Evil Jeff. So, I do remember Space 1889. Uh, In my remembrance of it, it was a little... A little too much. It started to feel like a, a steampunk to a degree. There was a little bit of that in there. Um, but I, I do remember the system out there. I never read it. Um, but definitely I knew it wasn't my cup of tea because I didn't really that, that time period. I don't have enough. Uh, I did not at the time have enough stuff I could draw on to feel like it emulated and feel like I was part of that world. That has since changed over the years. Um, but Victorian England and maybe even, you know, Americans in Victorian England time, eh, maybe not. <laughs> but I do remember it looking pretty cool, so I'll give it that. Later. Hey, Evil Jeff. Thanks for that call. You know, I never really thought about Space 1889 as being steampunk. Usually when I think steampunk, I think like steam and not electricity, just because the name probably. And Space 1889, you know, it uses electric motors for the boats. But yeah, there's no reason that couldn't be considered steampunk. And I think it's because also I encountered Space 1889 years and years before I ever heard the word steampunk. So I consider them different things. But no, I guess it could be. As for the whole Victorian thing, you know, that's all a matter of how true do you want to be to the world. And I'm okay with just saying, you know, it feels Victorian, whatever that means to you. Um, I get if you're playing with a bunch of players who are big, hardcore Victorian fans or hardcore steampunk fans, you need to be true to the genre. But I'm not. I just like the overall feel of these big ships in space and you're taking uh, grappling hooks to lure the other ship over to you and engage in hand-to-hand combat. I just think that's cool. Um, But yeah, like, you know, paranoia, alpha complex, crazy computer factions. That's really all you need. Everything else in the book, I, I ignore that. You know, a traveler, you know, Imperium, you know, just some big space empire. The rest is up to me. I ignore whatever's in the book. And it's interesting that you said Americans during the Victorian era because, you know, that's like cowboys, right? So now we're talking about like Boot Hill in space. Wow, I bet that just got Jason's attention. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again very much for that call, sir. Hey, this is Jason just calling to say I enjoyed your RPG a Day episode. I, I think you probably could have fit Lucky 7 in a couple more times. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, you know, I'm not going to pick on any of your comments. I'm very happy that you participated, and I think you had some really good comments in there. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for putting that out. I'm looking forward to your talking about Rhesus or Rhesus. 
one of my favorite games from when I came back into the hobby in the early 2000s. So I definitely look forward to hearing what you, you have to say about that. And, yeah, so I will talk to you soon. Take care. Hey, Jason, thanks for that call. Uh, lucky seven. You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the self-promotion thing. Um, but I thought all the, all the mentions I gave it were, were genuine and natural. I wasn't trying to plug anything. I mean, it's not really done yet for anyone to look at to plug. Um, so I, I was being sincere. I, I think you know that. I, I just feel the need to say it. Um, as for our recess, yeah, Evil Jeff and I haven't set the date yet. Um, you know, as I said before, this is a busy time of year for me. In fact, this is Wednesday when I'm recording this. So I just, uh, this morning I got up early, drove an hour and a half, hour and three quarters over to Niagara, worked all day, drove back. That actually took about two hours because I stopped for a bite on the way home. And I got home, my wife is still at the gym, so I said, ah, I have time to record a Feedback Friday, and that will give me tomorrow after work to edit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what's happening with that. Thanks for the call, Jason. Hey, Jason here, just listening to your latest Feedback episode, really enjoying it. Looking forward to the Tunnels and Trolls episode. I'm also looking forward to the episode you're doing with Daniel. And I went out and bought the Frontier of Fort Sakelnor. Uh, I, there's a first and second edition, and you probably talked about that in the show, and I don't remember what you said. It's the same page count. I, I went to the Arcadium and looked at the differences, and since the second edition was twice as much as the first edition, I just got the first. I think the difference is the booty table got renamed to the treasure vault, or the booty list got renamed to the treasure vault, and maybe there are more items on there, but for twice as much money, I went with the first edition. So we'll see when that gets here. The 78 printing versus the 80 printing. Um, as far as tunnels and trolls, yeah, Ken St. Andre owns Monsters Monsters. He's continuing to develop that, but he's using basically the deluxe tunnels and trolls rules kind of as he develops Monsters Monsters in that world and all that stuff. There are other people publishing under that license, which is cool, because the initial company, who I'm not going to name, Web Sphere, who bought tunnels and trolls and all the stuff from Flying Buffalo weren't letting third-party creators do things. In fact, they made third-party creators take their stuff down. But then they turned around and sold the Flying Buffalo role-playing stuff to Rebellion. And Rebellion's a good company. It's owned by somebody that's actually a big fan of Tunnels and Trolls, and they're promising to come out with a new edition of Tunnels and Trolls. We're going to see how that works. I haven't seen what's happened with third-party creators yet. Um, I haven't stayed up on as much as I should have over at Ben's um, troll bridge, but so I, I support both. I've got both. I enjoy both. Like I said, I grew up playing fifth edition tunnels and trolls, but monsters, monsters is interesting. I'm not as interested in the world that Ken St. Andres built, to be honest. Um, so yeah, and I'm not as interested in deluxe rules, to be honest. So I, I am backing. There's a current Kickstarter for a new version of monsters, monsters, and I am backing mainly to support Ken. And, and just to see what it looks like. But, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Definitely interested in your thoughts, Mercenary Spies, Private Eyes. That would definitely, I think, work for a space game. There's no reason it wouldn't. It's simple enough. You can easily change. Obviously, you would change up the skills would be the big thing. But, okay, I will talk to you later. In fact, I need to finish the episode because I'm only 24 minutes in. Hey, Jason, thanks for that call.
So the first thing is tunnels and trolls. And I had this idea about tunnels and trolls. Daniel has says that he's never had a chance to play tunnels and trolls. And I told you that I would run for you a Frontier 4 of Kelnor that I would roll up, you know, j just for you and whoever else. So my thought was, what if I run that as Tunnels and Trolls and ask Daniel if he would like to join? And, you know, just a one shot, so not sucking up a lot of time. And he gets to try TNT and you get to see uh, Frontier 4 in action. And uh, that was my idea. Uh, the Frontier 4 editions, yeah, well, I did talk about that in the original reviews. The main difference that I know of is that the first edition, the one that you have, the one that was part of issue K of the Judges Guild of subscription, has the picture of the fort on it. And the second edition has no picture of the fort. They replaced the cover with a color cover of a man riding a horse if you look very closely, he is riding through the gate of the of the fort, but it's not. Hmm, eh. I was going to say it's not as well done. That's that's not true. Artistically, it's much better done than uh, the drawing of the fort that's on the cover for the first edition. Because to me, that struck me as kind of like uh, um, something you do in drafting class in high school, the way it was drawn. But I find that first edition cover much more useful because you can just show it to the players. This is what it looks like. And there's none of that in the uh, second edition. Monsters, Monsters, uh, you said you're not interested in Troll World. Neither am I. That's the thing that has stopped me from buying Deluxe because it's like saying if you want to buy D&D, you have to buy World of Greyhawk or you have to buy Forgotten Realms and there's no other way to get the rules. And I don't like that. And I just, <laughs> I refuse to play along. They were actually said that they were going to do an issue of uh, a release of Deluxe without the Troll World stuff, just the, just the Tunnels and Trolls rules, but that was before Rick Loomis passed, sadly. So I guess those deals, uh, those plans are in the bin. And as for Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes, I gave it a quick look because what I wanted to see was the, the vehicle rules, you know, what they did for that. And really, and I didn't go in depth, I, I you know, flip through real quick. Really what I saw was that they have a skill called driving fast and it just says, you know, if you fail it, there's a crash and then there's rules for crash results. So it wasn't really vehicle combat that I was hoping for. Um, that would have been interesting. So of course, when I think science fiction, I think space opera, I think ship to ship battles. Um, that's me. That's what I like. That's not in there. So I don't think I'm going to look at it any more in depth than that. Uh, but hey, as always, thank you for your call, sir. I'm a GM. I know what I'm doing. That's a T-shirt or a bumper sticker right there. <laughs> Jason, thanks for that call. Um, that is funny that you say that because just on Saturday, James and I met and we recorded uh, the issue that's going to be coming, uh, the episode that's going to be coming out September 20th. That's the one-year anniversary for the podcast. And so I figured he was on the first episode. It would be great to have him on the one-year anniversary episode. So we just recorded that. And what that is, is the Is, the, is James a Munchkin episode. And, you know, that's going to be our, our giveaway between that 
episode in episode 100 when we announced everybody's results. And amongst the things I was saying I might give away because it's a very nebulous giveaway. I don't have a prize in mind yet. I said I might give away some swag. And, you know, I have a Teespring. Well, it's just spring now, but a Teespring account and Design Cat that made my um, logo for me, gave me the, the images that would work on Teespring uh, to make swag. And so maybe I should make swag with that logo on it. I am a GM. I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, that wasn't even planned or anything. That just came out as I was speaking. Um, it's how I felt. That's how I feel about trying to hold the GM's hand a little too much. Anyway, thanks much for the call, sir. Hey, Joe. Daniel. I think I'm calling into a call-in to the call-in show. Anyways, we're building up on this. It's very, uh, what was that movie? And I just wanted to point out, because maybe just to clarify, I like that fighters are powerful in OD&D with chainmail, but they earn it. In this tarot situation, you're not earning it. If I can just pick, I'm a dwarf, and my strength is five times as strong as everybody else. Sorry, I'm exaggerating. Two times as strong as everybody else. That's not earning it. That's just picking something. So I, th that's the difference. You have to still go through those levels where you suck, <laughs> and then you earn being powerful in chainmail. I, I, I don't know. I feel like just rolling a super powerful character is not my idea of feeling heroic, especially if if you're just lucky, right? Based on what you're saying, most people aren't going to roll that, right? So I'm the one guy that rolls up the 57-strength dwarf, and now all of a sudden I'm way better than everybody else, and I'm walking around like, that's right, I'm heroic. I don't know. I just I just don't get that. That doesn't feel that way to me. But anyways, again, I just said that, that's my take on heroic versus not. Again, I have not played the game. I've never played with the super high scores, so all this is probably completely wrong and irrelevant as far as how the game actually plays. It's just a fun thing to talk about. So, anyways, that's my take. I can't wait for your Tunnels and Trolls episode. I'm super fascinated with this game. And really, it's going to come down to me playing it, but I'm right in the middle of a massive campaign, so I doubt I'm going to drop that to play a brand new game. Uh, but I will likely play at least some one-on-one -on -one sessions and stuff like that to get a vibe for it. So, uh, like I say, I'm super interested in your episode, and... Uh, I'll listen to, you're talking about Monsters, Monsters Now, which is interesting. I know Jason's mentioned that before. Uh, I have no uh, knowledge of that, and I have not bought it, and I'm avoiding it at this moment. Although, you said that Steve Jackson made a version for metagaming. That feels like the version I'd want. <laughs> hey, Daniel. Thanks for that call. Uh, earning it. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. I, I, have, I can't even disagree with you. I, yep. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, what else? I, I did actually write in a lot of notes for that one. What else did you say? You said that you want to try it, and no doubt you've just heard my call to Jason. So I am formally inviting you, sir. Would you like to do a one-shot with Jason? And James said that he would join as well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll up a Frontier 4 of Kelnor and just run it as an adventure for Jason and James and you. But I will do it using the TNT rules. Um, and like I said, it's a one shot, so you don't have to drop a campaign. You just need to find one free night that we can all agree on somewhere and um, let me run it for you. So consider that an invitation. If you say no, I'm not going to be offended. But, you know, the invitation's out there and I would I would love to have you join us. Uh, Monster Monsters, Steve Jackson. Um, it, it doesn't really come across any different from any other edition of Tunnels and Trolls. 
other than it's written by Steve Jackson, so the writing's a little clearer in stuff. Uh, but rules-wise, it's really all the same as everything else. And you said, oh, what were you talking about? I don't know. But you said that, you know, it's just fun to talk about this stuff and that, you know, oh, it was about the internet. You know, it's just fun to talk about this stuff and, you know, people do it differently. Yeah, you know, I, I really hope, we probably don't say that enough, but that's always what I have in mind whenever I'm saying anything. You know, this is what's right for me. This is what's not right for me. I can't speak what's right or wrong for the hypothetical you, not you, Daniel. Well, yeah, you. I, I still can't say what's right or wrong for you, but I think you know what I mean. You know, I can only speak through my own eyes, through my own life experience, through my own likes and dislikes. I always assume that, like, whenever I hear anyone else talking on any show and they say they don't like something or something is bad, I always assume they, they don't mean it's objectively bad. They mean it's bad for them. And so, likewise, when I do my reviews, I forget to, you know, but I do the three good things and the three bad things. I know a lot, a lot of people don't like negative in reviews at all, but I think by doing that and explaining why I think it's a bad thing, that allows you, the listener, to say... Oh, actually, I think that's a good thing. And I think there's value to that. Um, for example, one of the non-gaming podcasts I listen to is a married couple that live down in the Atlanta area of Georgia. And they do a lot of movie reviews. A lot of times when they give a negative review because of the way they're giving their negative review, I know that I'm going to like that movie. So... I think there's value to, to negative reviews. And, um, you know, if you're really aligned with a person and they give a negative review, you're, then you're like, oh, I probably won't like it either. If they, you're really on the other side of them on a lot of things and they give you a negative review, you're like, oh, I might like it. But if they explain why and everything, then you have a better idea. Anyway, same thing goes with playing style. You know, my playing style is right for me. I can't say what's right for anybody else. That's up for them to say, and they have a different opinion. I can't say, you're wrong. <laughs> That's just silly. So, yeah, I agree with you completely, sir. Uh, thank you very much for that call. Again, the invitation is open. Let me know if you would like to play uh, Frontier 4 of Kelnor, a little one-shot. Um, like a one session probably, and uh, using tunnels and trolls. Thanks for the call. Hey, Joe. Daniel, for, again, barraging you with calls. This is what happens when you have a phone number, so I can call you from my car. I, uh, <laughs> you talk about swords and spells. It's funny. I went, one of the, when I very first bought OD&D a while back, that's the, the supplement that I stopped at as well. I got there, and I was like, oh, this isn't really for me. It's war gaming. And then I mean, then go forward into the future. I started using chainmail, which I think is a far superior uh, combat system to what's in D and D, and also much simpler than people play out. Like chainmail abstract combat is actually easier than the uh, the regular D twenty system. But anyways, what I'll say is my point there is that yeah, I, I should go look at it too because I also uh, haven't looked at it. I think people are like, we don't, what I felt was people, they, like, I don't know, it seemed like a money grab, for lack of a better word. I, like, it was like Chainmail already existed. Do you need to make another system because it had D&D's name on it? Possibly because D&D was selling so well. That's kind of how I kind of look at it. But, of course, I wasn't even, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I was alive when it was printed, but I was very young. I never saw it until two years ago. Anyways, I think that's really interesting. 
It's funny, though. The other thing I'll say really quickly, while it took a long time, uh, is that the way you're describing your system, uh, as far as how you do Digimass combat, is similar to what they do in Astonishing uh, Swordsman and Sorcerer's like Boria, or, and I believe also in the Beckme system. It's basically a bunch of things like, okay, how many troops do you have versus how many they have? Uh, do you have a castle versus do they have siege equipment? Everybody gets, like, bonuses or penalties based on things they have. And then you roll 1D percentile, and I think you add your total score to, that, to the thing. The person with the highest score wins, and then you roll on another chart, another percentile, and basically the winner loses X number of percentage of troops. The winner loses X number of winner twice. Each side loses a percentage of troops based on whether they won or, or lost based on the battle. So that's what I did when I ran uh, mass combat in Hyperborea, and it worked out really well because then I just had the player characters do the, you know, the player character things. So very cool. I can see bouncing off swords and spells 100%. I am definitely not uh, truly a wargamer, even though I do <laughs> use chainmail for my combat, funny enough. Hey, Daniel, thanks for that call. As for barraging me with calls, I feel like I've said that before. Barraging me call with calls is like barraging me with money. Do it, dude. Just keep it coming. Um, as for sourcing spells being a money grab, my first thought was no. My first thought was that D&D existed and they grabbed chain mail kind of quickly and haphazardly to use with it, as we've just discussed before. Arneson had tried Chainmail and decided that he didn't like it. And that's why they, they, Arneson and Gygax, developed the so-called alternate combat system. So it could be then in Gygax's mind that he was just trying to come up with a more D&D solution to handle that thing in D&D. Not really a cash grab, just in his mind, it was more D&D. Maybe. But then as I was speaking, and as I'm speaking, as I was thinking all that through, I was like, on the other hand, that also allowed him to have the sole credit for, uh, for the new product, and he wouldn't have to pay any royalties to, um, oh, I forgot the dude's name, um, that he wrote Chainmail with that died. Uh, anyway, so we wouldn't have to pay any money to the estate. But as I'm speaking now again, I think uh, John Peterson said in the Game Wizards that he bought out the copyright for that entirely. So maybe that wasn't a thing at all. So I've gone back and forth and back on that all in the course of this uh, little answering you. So uh, we will never know. Um, my gut instinct is that it wasn't a cash grab, but yeah. You, who knows? As for the Astonishing Swordsman of Hyperborea, I've never seen the game. So, and actually I was doing this years and years before that came out because that was my campaign in Texas where I came up with it. And that was a GURPS campaign. And that would have been in 1990-ish. Yeah, except that still sounds very much more codified than I do. Codified? Codified. <laughs> than I do. I'm just very loosey-goosey. Loosey yeah, you sound like you're the, the side that's, you know, going to do good and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have everything written down. Oh, you have three parapets on your towers. Oh, you have 15 horsemen with... Yeah, yeah I don't do that. It just... I go by the feel, by the gut. <laughs> because I'm a GM. I know what I'm doing. 
Uh, it doesn't work when it's when it's uh, thrown in there on purpose. Hey, Daniel, uh, thanks for that call. One more call for tonight, and that's also going to be you. So let's give it a listen. Last time I harassed you tonight, I swear. Um, I would love to know or have you talk more about the difference between narrative and tactical, because I actually find a lot of OSR people to be very narrative, but maybe I don't, maybe we're not using the word the same way. So I would love for you to dig into that because that's super interesting. Like I wouldn't call my game tactical at all, even though on the surface I use Chainmail as my combat system, which is a war game. So I'm curious what you mean by narrative versus tactical. Uh, so that's super interesting. But also I want to say, I meant to say this on the other call, I think your voice is great. I think it sounds fine. I don't, it's not that people just aren't saying anything negative. People just don't normally comment on that kind of stuff. So don't worry about that. Nobody likes their, the way their voice sounds, or most people don't anyways, unless you drop it through a lot of uh, you know, processing to make it sound the way that you think it sounds in your head, right? So in any case, I think your podcast is great to listen to. You, you guys do a great job. And, uh, yeah, keep at it. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for uh, the kind words on my voice there. Thanks for the call. Um, no, I, I don't do any processing on the voice at all. Uh, I just adjust levels and I edit for content. As you know by now, because we've recorded the episode together, so you've heard me in real life. Um. As for narrative versus tactical, you know, while while you were saying that, I was like, ooh, is this going to be a full episode in itself? I don't think so. I think I can answer this fairly quickly. Um, yeah, we're probably, we probably are using the word slightly differently. When I'm saying narrative versus tactical, I mean exclusively narrative, um, whereas I think it's possible they're, they're not opposing, they're not diametrically opposed, right? You can be tactical and not narrative you can be tactical and narrative right you can be narrative you know they you, you can they, they exist on entirely different planes right and some people think that they're being narrative because they use more words um there was a game out somewhere i can't remember where it was um it was one of those freebies online can't remember the name but that's okay i'm, I'm gonna kind of say that it was against my taste anyway, so maybe I shouldn't say it by name. Um, but the entire mechanic in there was the more words that you used to describe your action, the more likely you were to succeed. And that to me is, no, I, I don't like that. If you can say, you know, I'm, I'm going to attack him with my sword, that is just as good for me. Actually, that's even better for me than say, I lift my sword above my head with quavering, quavering? With quivering muscles, and I look to the stars above, and I invoke the names of my deities, and I strike with all my might, and yeah, whatever, just roll 1d20, dude. Yeah, I, it's, it just, it takes up time, it feels like I don't know. I, I'm not into that. And some people might call that narrative, and that's not what I mean by narrative uh, versus tactical. Um, <laughs> so when I say narrative, I mean I am narrative only and not narrative and tactical. Because um, like I said, I don't think they're exclusive. And by tactical, I mean things like, well... 
you know, if I'm facing him at a 45 degree angle, that means any blow he gives me is likely to glance off. And I, with the sun right behind me, where's the sun today, you know, and what's the phase of the moon tonight so we can, whatever. Um, like the, the flanking moves in 3E. Actually, 3E is exactly what I don't like. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is why I keep saying I don't like chainmail. So maybe this is where you can correct me. I don't like my role playing to become a tactical board game, a miniatures war game on the table. You know, it feels to me like you're stopping the role play and playing a different game. It's like in Traveler, when you get into space battle using the actual Traveler rules where you actually, you stop role playing for a minute, well, for a minute, for an hour, and you play a game of triplanetary, right? Okay, I can move this much and I can move. I, I don't like that. I don't want that. I understand that some people love it and some people think it's great and good good on you. Awesome. But that's not what I like and I just want to do it by words instead. Instead, we're going to attack him with our lasers and we're going to, you know, increase the power to our shields and whatever. Um, so that's what I mean by those words. So I hope that answered your question and thanks for that call. Hey everyone, that is it for the calls. We are all caught up. We have nothing in the backlog. That's a little bit of a lie because today's Wednesday, so a new episode dropped. And so I have a call from Jason on that episode, but I save those for next week. And on that, there's a chance that he did that last week too, and I accidentally deleted it. So Jason, do, did you notice a, a, a voicemail that was missing? I, I don't know. Uh, because after I recorded last week for Feedback Friday, I went and I deleted everything. So I knew I did it. And I was after I was done, I was like, crud, wasn't there supposed to be one left over? But maybe not. Maybe I played it because I thought I had started playing it. And in my recording, I went, oh, no, hold on. I'm not going to do that. And when I listened later, that wasn't in there. So maybe I was just misremembering from the week before or something. So anyway, yeah, I'm all caught up on the vo on the voicemails. I have no feedback in the queue. So thank you, everyone, for calling in. I very much appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening, even if you don't call in. And again, all, all three of my callers have podcasts of their own. Links are in the show notes. If you have anything to say, send it to feedback at deckedrian.com. Go to the message boards at www.deckedrings.com slash boards. Remember to spell deckedring with a K in all those cases. Call the feedback line. Go to sayhi.chat slash deckedring. All those things are in the show notes and the outro music that you're probably hearing right now. <laughs> and they're at the website at www.deckedring.com. It's just like a big landing page and it sent us a F FAQ or a fact and uh, there's a section about how do I leave feedback and all that's listed there thanks again for listening and until next week happy gaming happy life bye we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG cast we'd love to hear from you you can leave us a voice message by calling 562 774 2278 
That's 562RPGCast. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit decahedron.com. Remember that decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logo is by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep those dice rolling.